What's up, City Hope Church? How's everybody doing on Easter Sunday, 2019? Man, so good to see you guys. Man, we are packed in here. Welcome to all of our campuses, uh, everybody that's watching online, uh, all the guys at the Correctional Centers. It's so, so good to have you guys with us today. Uh, we are one house with many rooms. We've got campuses all over the place. So we've got five here in the area outside of here at Malbus and in three correctional centers. We've got a lot of people watching online. So Malbus here uh, and actually every campus, why don't you put your hands together and welcome the rest of your church family. Welcome to Easter Sunday. So good to have you guys with us um, for an amazing, amazing day. And we are celebrating Easter, which is such a big, big day. And I wonder sometimes if we realize just how big of a day this is. Uh, for the last few weeks, we've been, we've been kind of talking a little bit about the Gospel of Luke. And, and so I want to kind of start today by looking at uh, Easter Sunday from Luke's perspective. Um, and actually, the verse that we're going to read is, is the very first Easter sermon that was ever preached. Um, and I'd say this too, it's the shortest Easter sermon that was ever preached. Uh, some of you are probably wishing that today's sermon would be as short as this sermon. It's not, so stop. Um, but this is the shortest Easter sermon that was ever preached. And here's what's happening on Easter Sunday. Um, on Easter Sunday, some of the ladies were going down to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body. And they get there and the stone was already rolled away. Some of you may know this story. You may know this part of the story. And there were two angels there. They walked in, they saw that, the, that Jesus wasn't there. They The two angels were standing there. And so this is what the angel says. This is the shortest sermon that was ever preached about Easter. He said, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. This is why we celebrate Easter. Why? Because he has risen. Go ahead. Put your hands together. This is what it's all about. This is what it's all about, that he is alive. He's alive. And actually, this is the biggest moment of the day right here, just so you know. Like, it doesn't get any bigger than those three words. The sermon is going to be downhill from here. Okay? It does not get any better than the fact that our Savior, our King rose again. And my question for us today is, do we really believe that? Like, do we really believe it? Like to the very core of our being, do we really believe it? Or is it just something that we celebrate, something that we do, something that we prescribe to? Or do we really believe it? Because Easter, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so important that the entirety of Christianity hangs on that single thread. The whole thing hangs on that one thread. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, and if Christ had not been raised, our preaching, Trey's preaching is useless. And so is your faith, Ricky Bobby, or whoever you are, right? Your faith is completely a waste of time. The 2000 years of the church and all the good that's come into the world and all the positive and the millions of people that are gathered right now doing exactly what we're doing. Paul says, if the resurrection of Jesus Christ did not happen, then every last bit of this is pointless. It's a waste. Because the resurrection is the central theme, the core, the thread that our faith is hanging on. If you have a problem with Christianity, if you have a problem with the Bible, you don't have to debunk Noah's Ark. 
You don't have to worry about Jonah and the whale, whether or not that's true. You don't have to get all sideways about the creation story. And is that even possible? And could that really be? That doesn't even make sense. All you have to do is disprove this one thing. And Christianity crumbles. Because it's all based on the fact that Jesus Christ is alive. Billy Graham said it this way. He said, if I were an enemy of Christianity, I would take aim at the resurrection because that is the heart of it all. But if it is true, if it is true that Jesus Christ is alive and it's a real historical fact, it's something that actually happened, then it, is, it has massive implications for you and I today. It is such a big deal. It's the reason we gather is because he is alive. And it's not just some story that happened 2,000 years ago. And it's not just an amazing story that happened 2,000 years ago. It's a story of resurrection life that's happening today and it's happening in me. And I pray and I hope that it's happening in some of you. That every single day when you get up, there's resurrection life that's flowing through your veins. That it's not just something that happened, but it's something that's happening in my life and in my family and in my marriage and, and in my job. And in every single thing that I put my hand to, my purpose on this planet, there's resurrection life flowing through every bit of it. That's how big of a deal Resurrection Sunday is. That's why we celebrate that Jesus Christ is alive. It's not just something we do. Do we really believe it? There are a couple of different things that I want to share about Easter today, and they're really, really simple. They're, they're invitations, if you will. We're just going to push in on this a little bit further. And the first one is this, is that to me, Easter is very simply an invitation to investigate. Because we live in a world where there's a lot of doubt. There's a lot of skepticism. There are a lot of people that look at this moment, this thing that happened 2,000 years ago, and they say, there's no way. It could not have happened. It's impossible. This doesn't make sense. There's a lot of people that just flat out don't believe it. And there's a lot of people probably in this room that doubt it, that think, oh, this is a great set of ideals. This is a great concept. This is a great thing for the world. But this didn't actually happen. What I want you to see today is that all through the, the, the Easter account, all through the Easter narrative in the Gospels, you see there's an invitation to investigate all through it. That God is just opening this thing up and saying, listen, I want you to come and look and inspect and see. One of the reasons that I believe we know this to be true is if, is if the disciples really made this whole thing up. Because that's what a lot of people tend to believe. This is a hoax. This is something that disciples just made up and they wrote about. If so, then they wrote about a lot of really awkward things that put them in a bad light. There are so many stories and instances that if, if I were making up a story as epic as a resurrection, I would have left out the part where I was an idiot, right? I, would just, I just wouldn't write that in. I, just would, I would just omit that. Like, that's just the way that I would do it. But all through the Easter account, you see the disciples being kind of idiots. You kind of see them just awkwardly doing things that you go, wait a minute, you spent three years with this guy? Why are you acting this way? after the resurrection. Look at this in, in Luke 24. This is right after the ladies, they find that the body is gone and Jesus is risen. They come running back to the men. All the men are in the room. They're hiding. They're scared. The women were the only ones that ventured out. Anybody else find that interesting? Right? All the men are just, they're just bunkered in. They're cowering back. They're like, I don't know what's going to happen. And the ladies are like, I don't care. We're going to worship Jesus. Right? Women, is that exciting? Anybody else? Okay, good. All right. So the women come running back. Okay, good if you have good. Okay, so the women come running back and they told the story to the men, but it sounds like nonsense. I said, this doesn't make any sense. 
and they didn't believe it. They didn't believe it. They said, this doesn't even, like, what are you talking about? This is crazy talk. However, Peter, he actually jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. This may be one of the few bright spots in Peter's life, right? Until we get a little further into the story. Like at this point, it's like, okay, maybe this is a good thing. Peter's the only one that's actually going to go look. So he stoops, he looks in, he, he probably picks up the linen wrappings, he's inspecting, he's checking them out. And then he went home again, wondering what had happened. <laughs> All right, well, there we go. Probably carrying the linen wrappings with him as he walks home. Like, what in the world is happening? Just a few verses later, you see all the disciples are gathered together. They're in a room, in a locked room. Again, they're scared. They don't know what's happening. They're asking questions. He's supposedly alive. This is what the women say. He's alive. We're scared. Let's cowered into this room. And then all of a sudden, Jesus just shows up in the room. And Jesus says, why are you frightened? As he shows up in the room, poof, right? Why are you frightened? He asks, why are your hearts filled with doubt? Jesus says. He's just simply asking a question. There's no condemnation. The next thing he says is, listen, just look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you can see that I do. And as he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. He said, look, look, inspect, investigate. Here's the evidence. Come and look. What I want you to know is that on Easter, all through the story, it's an invitation for us to investigate to find the evidence for ourselves whether or not this story is true. Because if it's true, it changes everything. This is either the greatest hoax of all time or it's the most powerful and incredible event that's ever happened. And it changed history. And men went to the death because of this. You owe it to yourself. You are banking your eternity on what you believe about God. If you doubt, if you're a skeptic, you're welcome here. My encouragement to you is don't just take the cultural claims that this is all phony and it can't be real. Don't just, don't, don't just think that, all oh, this is so old-fashioned and hokey-pokey and this couldn't possibly be relevant in our world today. That was cute 100 years ago. They needed it, but now we don't need it. We're, we're enlightened, right? Listen, you are banking your eternity on what you believe about God. So I'm encouraging you, I'm challenging you, I'm pushing you to investigate because God gave us minds for a reason, so that we can reason, so that we can look into things and investigate. And obviously Jesus says over and over again, come and see, look, I want to show you this, right? The stone wasn't rolled away on Easter Sunday morning so that Jesus could get out of the tomb. The stone was rolled away so that we could go in and inspect and see that he's no longer there. It's an invitation for us to investigate and see, listen, your, your family, your eternity, your hope, everything is banking on that decision, on that belief, and your belief is ultimately going to determine where you end up. You owe it to yourself. If you doubt, if you just flat out don't believe, I challenge you to investigate. Easter is an invitation to investigate, right? Question your questions. Eternity is way too big, way too big. And listen, you don't have to believe to investigate. You don't have to believe to investigate whether or not this really happened. There are tons of resources for you to do that. I just want to encourage you, come and be a part of here, this place. We'll, we'll walk with you and be a part of that. But either way, just investigate. Easter is an invitation to, invest, to investigate. The second thing that I want you to see about Easter is this, is that Easter is an invitation to trust. Easter is an invitation to trust. 
Now, this may be a little awkward to say on Easter Sunday, but sometimes Jesus doesn't meet my expectations. Sometimes Jesus doesn't do what I want him to do. He doesn't live up to the ideals that I have for what he should do. And this happened in the Eastern narrative as well. Just a week before the crucifixion, people were hailing him as king, as Messiah. They were literally praising him for being the Messiah that's going to save their world, that's going to push back Rome, that's going to do all these incredible things, that's going to bring new life to their nation. Like they were hailing him as Messiah and worshiping him. And then by Saturday, they had turned their backs and walked away from him because he did not live up to their expectations. Because their idea of a Messiah looked very different than a cross and a tomb. Their idea of a Messiah was a sword. Their idea of a Messiah was conquering Rome. Their idea of a Messiah was completely different than what they got. Right? He's, our, our expectations of Jesus, hmm, he often does not meet them. And it's funny to me because all through the Gospels, you see Jesus telling them exactly what he's going to do. Right? We, we see that Jesus constantly tells them, here's how this story is going to play out. Yet they had an idea of what they thought Jesus should do. And when he didn't do what they thought he should do, they put up their hands and they begin to walk away. Look at this in Luke 9. Jesus said this, the son of man, he's referring to himself, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And... He must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. He tells them exactly what's going to happen. And here's what did not transpire on Easter Sunday morning. There were not 11 guys standing around a tomb going 10, 9, 8. Guys, here we go. 7, Six, look, here's some light. The light's starting to come through the rock. I hear music playing. There's an earthquake. There's a DJ in the corner. This is going to be crazy. Dead silence. Other than the earthquake. That part's actually real. Dead silence. Why? Because no one expected what he said he was going to do. Everyone expected him to do what they wanted him to do. And here's what I hear so often. I hear this out of people so often that I used to have faith, but it didn't last. You know, I used to believe in God. I used to go to church. I used to, you know, maybe growing up or whatever. I used to have faith, but it didn't last. It didn't, I didn't stick around. I didn't, I didn't stay connected. I didn't, I eventually pushed away from it because so often Jesus doesn't meet our expectations. And eventually, a lot of us, probably in this room and at every campus right now, we've been in that seat before where Jesus didn't do what we thought he should do, and we kind of started to walk away from it. Maybe it was a a childlike faith that you grew up with, and you grew up in the faith and in in, in your home, and once you got into the grown-up world, the grown-up world couldn't really handle your childlike faith, and it all started crumbling, and it all started falling apart, or maybe you came up against a tragedy in your family or in in your life or whatever, and your idea of God just... And that just didn't coincide. They just didn't gel. They didn't connect. You couldn't imagine a God that would allow something like that to happen. Maybe it was an an unanswered prayer. Maybe there was a prayer that you prayed forever and God just did not meet it. He didn't fulfill it. He didn't fix it. He didn't solve the problem the way that you thought. And eventually you threw your hands up. Or maybe, and potentially one of the worst things, is that you experienced a hurt through a church or through another Christian. Because that happens way too often. 
way too often. And you would say, I had faith at one time. I believed in Jesus, but it didn't last. There were some things that happened that I just, I couldn't jive with. This didn't work for me. And you threw your hands up. And we see this in the Eastern narrative. Um, Pontius Pilate, who's the man that ultimately condemned Jesus to death, um, in the middle of the night while he's on trial, he's actually kind of trying to get rid of the whole situation because he doesn't want to deal with it. This is a Jewish problem. He's a Roman governor. He doesn't want to deal with this stuff. And so he's trying his best to literally wash his hands of it. And so he learns that Jesus is from Galilee. And Galilee is under Herod's control. So Pilate says, you know what? I'm going to get rid of this guy. I'm going to send him to Herod. And so he sends him in the middle of the night to Herod. And this is what Herod says. And this is so intriguing to me. Herod says this. Herod was delighted at the opportunity to see Jesus. Why? Because he had heard about him and had been hoping for a long time to see him perform a miracle. He was excited to meet this guy. Why? Because he's going to razzle and dazzle. We're going to see some lightnings, lightning from his fingertips. We're going to see some magic. We're going to see him perform. We're going to see him bring something good into the world. We're going to see something magical happen. And he asked Jesus question after question, but Jesus refused to answer. He asked him question after question. He prayed prayers. He asked him questions, and he just never answered. Meanwhile, the leading priests and teachers of religious law, they stood there shouting their accusations. So then Herod and his soldiers began mocking and ridiculing Jesus. Why? Because Jesus didn't do what Herod wanted Jesus to do. He wanted to see something miraculous, something spectacular, something wonderful. And you know, a king is used to getting things a certain way. They're used to getting things their way. Right? And I don't think we're that much different because we're the king of our own life, our own story, our own world. And so often whenever Jesus enters our world, he's going to do things different than we would, ha- we would want them to be done. Right? But our expectations are that Jesus would do what we want him to do. Right? Our idea of God is an idealized version of ourselves. And we cannot imagine a God that would do anything different than what we would do. The best possible version of us, that's God. The best possible version of us, that's God. But if the resurrection is true, then Jesus is more powerful than we could ever imagine. If it really happened, and we believe, those of us here, we believe that it really happened. And if it really happened, then he's more powerful than we could ever imagine. And if he's that powerful, then we can't boss him around. We can't give him our terms of service and our agreements and our bargains and our deals. We can't put him in a box. Why? Because he is the king. He's the king. He's more powerful than we could ever imagine. But at the same time, if the resurrection is true, then not only is he more powerful than we could ever imagine, but he's also good and wonderful and holy and full of love and grace. Why? Because he died and he rose again so that we could be filled with resurrection life, so that we could, all the dead places in our life could be brought back to life. He died and rose again so that we could experience freedom, so that we could experience wholeness, so that our families could be put back together. That's the reason that he died and rose again. So he's powerful and he's good. Therefore, we can trust him. Even when he does things that don't jive with our minds and our wants and our expectations, we can trust him. My question is, can you trust a good God when he does things that you don't expect him to do? Can you trust him? Right? Easter is an invitation to trust when you don't understand. Easter is an invitation to trust when he's not going to do exactly what you want him to do, but he's a good God. And all he is is love, and he's grace, and he's mercy, and he is filled with wonder. And that's what he wants to bring into our world. Can we trust that?
The third thing is this, is that Easter is an invitation to live. It's an invitation to live because, again, the resurrection life is meant to be lived in each and every one of us. It's not something that happened. It's something that's happening in our lives, or it should be. But what saddens me, what I see way too much in our world, especially in America, is that I see way too many Christians that believe in Jesus, but it's not making a difference in their life. They believe in Jesus. They would say, yes, I'm a Christian, but they're not experiencing the resurrection life that we're talking about. So many people walking through life, having, having done the thing, they've said yes to Jesus. They believe in Jesus, but it's just another additive to their life. It's not bringing life into them. It's not changing who they are. And Jesus speaks about this specifically. He talks about how people will, some people will believe in him. But then because of the worries of life and, the, and, the, and the, the pursuit of wealth and the pursuit of fulfillment and all these other things will choke out the God life that he's trying to bring, the harvest, the fruit that he's trying to bring to our life. That all these things, good or bad, we get busy, we get, life gets happening, we're trying to build our own great life, we're trying to do all these things and some good, but we're missing out on the main thing and that's Jesus. I would even call this a cultural Christianity. There's the idea of I'm safe eternity-wise. I've said yes to Jesus, and yeah, if you ask me, I'm a believer, but I'm not actually experiencing the life that Jesus died and rose again for me to experience. I'm not experiencing it. This is what Jesus said. He said this. He said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. So many of us are trying to find life in our own way. We've got Jesus, but we're not actually experiencing the resurrection life of Jesus because we're trying to do life our own way. And Jesus says, the only way you experience my life is through laying down you and your wants and your desires. Because Easter Sunday is all about death and resurrection. It's all about Jesus bringing life to all the dead things in your life. The marriages, the relationships, the, the hurt, the pain, all that kind of stuff. But, but resurrection life always follows Good Friday death. Always. But so many people want the life without the death. And it can't happen. Jesus says, the only way you can experience my life is when you lay down, when you die to yourself, your own ambitions, your pride, your desires to make a great name for yourself, whatever it is, you got to lay that stuff down. You got to lay all that stuff down and live for him because that's where we get life. And that's difficult for us because we're scared to death of death. We're scared to death of the idea of laying down my ambition, my pride, my desire to build something great. Uh, whatever it is, we're scared to lay that down. We're scared of death. And there's a story in John where Jesus is telling, talking about his, um, uh, his friend Lazarus who had died. And he goes to visit and Martha, Lazarus' sister, is upset because Jesus didn't show up four days earlier when she asked him to show up. So Jesus shows up and Lazarus has been dead for four days. And Martha's angry. Martha says, why weren't you here when I told you to be here? If you'd have been here when I expected you to be here, he'd still be alive right now. In other words, if you'd have done what I told you to do, we could have avoided this whole death thing, Jesus. 
We could have worked around this whole thing. He didn't have to die. You could have showed up and healed him and all would have been good. All would have been wonderful. All would have been awesome. But you went and messed this thing up. You showed up four days later. We could have avoided death. And this is what Jesus says to her. This is such an important verse. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Martha, do you believe this? He says, listen, I am the resurrection and the life. It's only through Jesus. All of your working and your planning and your doing good and all these other things that you're trying to bring life. He's saying, listen, that's great and all, but that's not how you get to life. He says, I'm the only way to life. It's only through Jesus. It's only through him. It's not a set of ideals. It's not belonging to a church. It's not a concept. It's not a value system. It's, it's a person. It's Jesus Christ. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. It's only through me that you will experience life. But so many of us are trying to go about it in other ways. We think that we can bring life. And we can't. It's only through Jesus. And I'll ask you what I asked you at the beginning and what Jesus asked Martha. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Because some of us in this room, we don't believe. Some of us in this room have walked away and we're only here because it's Easter. And I get it. I understand. You're only here because it's Easter and it feels like the right thing to do. But years ago, you just kind of decided this doesn't really work for me. And then some of us, we say, absolutely, I believe in Jesus, but it's not changed a thing in your life. Your marriage isn't different. Your kids aren't different. Your ambitions aren't different. Your purpose isn't different. There's still brokenness. There's still hurt. There's still pain. There's still depression. There's still addiction. There's still whatever it is. But I'm a Christian. I got it. And Jesus is saying, listen, there's life. There's resurrection life that each and every one of us can experience. And if you're already a Christian, I want you to experience that life. I want you to know that life. And if you're not a Christian, if you're not a Christ follower today, I want you to make that step of faith to say, I want to experience this life. I want to know what it's like. I want, to, I want to feel resurrection life flowing through my veins. So here's how we'll end. I just want everyone to bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment. I don't know if for some of you, this may be a recommitment that you say, okay, today's the day. Yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't think I've been a very good Christian. I've been a cultural Christian. I've just been, I've been wearing the t-shirt and it's not, it's not real. And maybe today's the day that you say, all right, I'm going all in. I'm going to recommit my life. Some of you, this is a coming back to God. Some of you, this is a very first time. And you say, okay, I want to experience this life. Here's what we're going to do. I'm, instead of having you raise your hand is what we would normally do. Today, I'm going to ask you to do something a little different. In the seat back in front of you, and if you're in the risers, it's, uh, it's in the little pocket next to your seat. There's a card that says, my response. And right now, while no one's looking around, I just want you to grab that card and grab a pen. And as an act of faith, instead of raising your hand, I just want you to check the box on that card that says, I'm making a decision to commit my life to Christ. One box. There's only one place to check. I am committing I'm going all in. I'm going to give him all of my life so that I can experience his life. Go ahead. I'm going to give you a second to do that. Right now in this moment, and then we're going to say a prayer together. And we're going to believe. You don't have to fill out the entire card. Just check that one box. And then just hang on to that card because we're going to pray. Church family, I want you to help me pray this prayer. But if you're, 
If you grab that card and you check that box, I want you to pray this from the bottom of your heart. I want you to believe this. Let's pray this together. Pray, Jesus, I invite you into my life, into my story. I want to experience your life. I give you my sin. I give you my pain. I give you me. Come and save me today. Come into my life and change me forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can look at me. Listen, don't move around just yet because we're going to sing. We're going to worship one more time. We're going to end our day today just singing that Christ is alive. But if you filled out that card, if you checked that box, I just want you to fill out those other couple of lines. Listen, we're not going to hit your email box with a whole bunch of junk. I promise you, we just want to help you take the next step in faith. We want to get you connected. We want to teach you and and kind of walk with you on this journey toward life in Jesus. So please do that. And then you can just leave the card on your seat. Just leave it there and we'll find it. As we sing this song together, I want us to maybe ask that question over and over again. Do I really believe this? Christ is risen. He's alive today. Do I really believe this? And does it impact my life every single day? Let's sing this together.
Amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Amen. Lives were changed. People going from death to life. It's incredible. Hey, if you need prayer for anything, our ministry team is making their way forward now. Maybe you made a decision for Christ today. Come tell somebody. For everybody else, we love you. We love you. Happy Resurrection Sunday. We'll see you next week.